I'm George Russell and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. Yes, thank you, George Russell. And yeah, welcome to a very special finale of the Winging It F1 podcast because obviously Nigel left to go off to his big boy job at Sky Sports and me and Freddie didn't do a very good job of continuing it and it petered out and it happens and Nigel's already laughing um, and that's fine. But we did want I've to. I've missed come four back. episodes, Adam. Or like three. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point, Adam. You can't really. Can. You guys have probably missed three, two or three in a row, like in the last three years. Oh yeah. Oh so yeah, absolutely. I've, I've missed like... the same amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when there were period, periods when I was in the states where I missed like six or five in a row, and then. But anyway, yeah, we. Um, came back. This is not the start of a new off-season of it or looking ahead to 2024 or anything like that, but we wanted to come back and do one final one to tap everything off because it was 197 episodes just shy of 200 and it was a long time as well through a lot of locations um, that we were doing the podcast. So we thought we'd have a look back at the 2023 season that finished two, three weeks ago now and yeah, just have a little reminisce about one of the duller seasons in memory as far as i would say unless anyone wants to contend on that but as always firstly nigel i know that you're going to say that we know how you are already but freddie and nigel how are you um, i'm good um long time no see <laughs> podcast um yeah as adam said we didn't really do the best job of keeping it going but i would add to that um i work a lot of weekends and adam finished a degree so you should clap to adam for that well done um nigel didn't clap right um <laughs> and we had we had a you know busy lives so forgive us for that one um but other than that i'm doing really well i'm looking forward to this chat adam pitched it just there he introed it as if we're going to look back on the season and do a sort of thing we've actually genuinely decided to wing this one to actually put it in the name um so as much as we might talk about the season we'll probably start with that who knows where this could go yeah i am excellent adam to answer your question i've got to say i don't think i've told adam this before i don't think funny i've told you this before but before i joined long before i joined sky probably well over 12 months ago, I thought we were going to get to 200, 200 episodes. So I wrote 200 questions. It's on my phone, and then like a notes for me. And I was, I envisioned it in the 200th episode, with, you know, kind of how we like did the birthday things in the first and second birthdays. I was just going to, we were going to walk around Sheffield, and I was going to ask you 200 random questions. Like a GQ video, something like that. Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. Ones with Liam Gallagher, they're like, do you smoke? No. Do you like Blur? No. <laughs> Do you like a brother? No. And then just rack him up like that. Pretty much, yeah. Depending on how long. Well, I saw the questions quite long, but yeah. Well, I look forward to you randomly chatting up with random questions while Adam and I are having a conversation. Yes. I'll definitely do that if I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've teased it up and you don't even, can't even find it. Oh, I'll try and... <laughs> I'll have to scroll quite far. Here's one of the yeah. questions. Um, uh who is to blame for this podcast ending and is it Alex Alvin? Uh, no, it's not. Well, one of the questions is who was going to leave the podcast first? Oh, that well, congratulations on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first question is, are you looking forward to this video? 
but that would have been that would have been like a joke to start off the thing because you would have gone oh because I no because I would have gone oh that's the first question but you wouldn't have known that but anyway uh, and then yeah there's there's, there's loads of ones uh, yeah. stay as a sports journalist mate don't become a comic <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah Nigel would have hijacked this to like West Street or Bowl Hill Park or something and then just not told us at all what's going on and go are you looking forward to this video and go, ah, that's a, there's only 199 to go ha 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 show and Nigel's just like a hidden camera show where he's just got an earpiece thing we just yeah. throws these questions at us we don't know we're being filmed like, Nigel, why are you holding that random microphone? <laughs> <laughs> just go, oh, okay, Nigel, it's one of your quirky traits now. <laughs> just carry on with it. And he's then just there. What do you think about um, C1, C2, C3, C4, and C5 as a tie compound strategy? Should we go back to super hard? And, like, and, and we'd be like, um, what? <laughs> it's like you were really clutching at straws at question 119. <laughs> 119. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, I quite like this. Question 119 generally was what begins with E but contains one letter? E? No. Oh, what? Uh, envelope. Envelope. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so it's not even a question go. about F1. Oh, no, some of them are. <laughs> <laughs> question. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I remember you reading. <laughs> what year will there be a new British world champion? <laughs> oh, I was going to say 2023. It's a good job we didn't do that earlier. 2026. 2026. So, yeah, so there's some F1 ones. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, I know. I remember you reading some more out to me. Ooh. There's like a, a stretch of like 10 or 15 maths related ones or riddles that I think would have been <laughs> quite a track for two journalism <laughs> students. Did you say F1 world champion, or did you say British world champion? British F1 world champion. Who'd be the next... What year would the next... Yeah, because I know, like... He's just added that in now. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Nuneaton's own. Nuneaton's own, Jake. Get him on the podcast now, because it's over. First first Nuneaton drives to race in F1 since... No, I don't know. He hasn't raced in F1. No, that's true. Competed in F1 weekend. Yeah, competed in (laughs) F1 weekend. Since the last one. Yes. We <laughs> don't know who it is. Maybe in the 50s. Maybe in the 50s. Maybe there was someone from Nuneaton in the 50s. Correct. Right. Right. No, I don't think That's so. That's fact. Maybe thing. someone did it then. Mm. Anyway, uh, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're um, going to three Formula One season, could, Nigel. Could talk oh, about Nigel predicting that Ferrari were going to be the quickest team in F1. <laughs> <laughs> if we what, want. We've got a fair few polls. <laughs> a few, yes. <laughs> yeah, they got a pole at Monza with one of the fastest ever laps of Formula One. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so Nigel could, if he really wanted to, try and spin this. But I'm not going to spin it. No, no. I've got it is... it's the most dominant car in Formula One history. The rightly lauded R19. <laughs> I don't think you should try to spin that Ferrari was the best team this year. Is it the most dominant car though, or is it a combination of the driver and team? Because that's the thing I've been talking about. That's part of it, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, but I do think it's 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 an interesting way of having the debate because you're right to say that the the driver made it this year when you look yeah. at Perez's stats, particularly 
after the first five races, what is the stat that Hamilton only scored two points less than him? And yeah. That's an insane stat. After when you look at where Miami was, when Perez got a pole in that event, admittedly with, you know, the stuff in the state, but he was, you know, he was still then would have been, if the stuff got pole would have been on the front row, something that was few and far between following that for a Checo season. So I think it's a really good point that Nigel, that yeah, it, it will go down as one of the most iconic racing cars in Formula One history, and it should do, but only on one side of the garage. It's not like the Mercedes of 2016, where where Hamilton won 10 races and Rosberg won nine races. It's Perez has won two races and Verstappen has won 19 races. So, or whatever it is that he's won. But also, not not just the um, not just how many Perez won, but he didn't. Um, I think he recorded two second places after Miami or something like that. He didn't, you know, there were so many. Yeah. He had a run of five races where he didn't reach Q3. He only picked up one podium after leaving the European leg. Like there was a lot where I did, it did kind of feel like um, going to back to both Nigel's podcast glory days and um, like, you know, the, the previous rebel eras of uh, like, it's just waiting for him to get a clean weekend together and it would never really arise like that apart from a couple of Las vegas exceptions where he would get a clean weekend but really there was after Miami there was always something that cropped up hmm. yeah I think oh, I mean five more Q3 appearances than Nico Hulkenberg wow that's not very good is it <laughs> it's very good for Hulkenberg no, yeah, it was good for Wolkenberg. It, it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think for me, Verstappen this year cemented himself as I think he's got the potential to be the greatest ever. He's definitely not yet. He's, yeah, not yet. So. he's got the potential to. And I think this year has just shown that because no matter what you think of him, to win 10 races in a row, 19 out of 22 races, yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. Everything in a race weekend has to go right. You've got to find the right setup. You've got to not make a mistake. You've got to have your team kind of back in you, have that right relationship with your with your engineer, which has been kind of uh, highlighted this year. Mm. Uh, and the it's just it's probably been the most consistent season we've seen yeah. ever. Uh, and it is just incredible. Because even Lewis Hamilton, even when he he was at his best between kind of twenty fourteen to twenty twenty, there were probably two or three race weekends where he was a bit off it, and the Bottas would would beat him. But with Verstappen, we've not seen that this year at all. Even the last couple of years, you could kind of argue. So for me, for me, that's the the kind of best thing about it. Uh, and yeah, is it is it the best season we've seen? I'm not sure. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean. It's, it's exceptional. I think it's definitely made better by Perez's season, and that should be should be appreciated. Um, yes, bad season for Perez. It wasn't him operating on on full chat, but it still made it made Verstappen's look even better, and that should be taken into account. And what was I, this season better or twenty twenty one season because of the title pressure? I'll say twenty twenty one. Yeah, different. I think like it's. Different reasons, really, isn't it? It's mm. you can mark them highly, um, in both ways. You can mark dominance high. You can mark uh, just pure fight high. Depending yeah. on how they fight, you can also then mark it down and things like that. And I think that's obviously 
a conversation that does need to be had with Max Verstappen when you look at things like Brazil and stuff. And so, um, for, for twenty twenty one, that is for this year, you don't need to worry about that because his race crop was was confident and mm. and usually not required. Usually not required, <laughs> but you know when it was there, it was very good. Mm. I, I actually, I think Singapore is like like one of his most impressive weekends because that's where you could actually see it. Or it's a kind of easier one to pick out because that's where, like, you could see him against competition that there isn't, you know, it's it's not just inevitable that he's going to win or he's going to be the quickest driver. But there, like, him coming through to finish fifth, albeit with some Russell-related help, even though he opened this episode, then it's like, it, it is, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, what he just showed there, like how much he does actually bring to the car and to the team. Um it was an nice. example pretty good. Mm. Just take that opening part example where odds were against him and then it just wasn't. So, oh, okay. Sorted. Yeah. yeah. And then, this is the thing. I think even though Red Bull only lost one race, there were other times where they could have lost and other teams could have taken those wins. Australia, for example, with the red flags as a standard start restarts, what the staff had nailed uh, the standard start restart. Zan thought, as we picked out, with the chaos that happened there. Uh, and then try to think, would any others were Red Bull? Vegas, 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 yeah, Vegas, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, those two or three races that's where the opposition could have done something, but they didn't. And the kind of greatness of Verstappen and Red Bull together meant they won and have had a record breaking season, which is just extraordinary. That, yeah. and I know it's boring, and we can't have seasons like this. You know, too much or ever. You you, you could kind of argue the same yeah, as sport. Annoyingly, yeah, but it, it it's just incredible, and I think that has to be kind of shouted out, really. Definitely, I agree. I agree with both of you. Mm, I agree, but also, if it wasn't for Verstappen, then I think we would have had a different winner. Or from from Miami onwards, then there would have only been two races, I think, um, or three races where there was the same winner, which is like. Mm-hmm. It would have been so good. <laughs> it would have been so, so good. And it was just like really frustrating, like hearing and seeing that it's like behind Verstappen, it's like very unpredictable, but and and great fight most weekends. But there's just not, you know, it's not with the win on the line. It's it's always happening, you know, 10, 20 seconds behind the winner. Yeah, it's one of those things you just got to take into account. You can always throw that in there. But it's that kind of thing. 2016 would have been a mad season. You took out the Mercedes. Um, with, the, the, with, the, with the performance swings of Ferrari and Red Bull that year, that was a very fascinating five per second in the constructors. But, um, you know, it's it's the most dominant season that I can compare to is 2016, really, um, in my sort of living memory of it. Because there's a substantial living memory as well, should be said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you look at, again, seasons like 2013 as well, actually, where you sort of think, where the sort of first half of it, at least, is still a wide open season. You'd compare 2013 to last year, not to this year in terms of dominance. Um, and, you know, when you look at the dominance of last season, sort of on paper, you think, oh, hang on, that was actually a really dominant season. So <laughs> it's. We've had two weekends, what, since the summer break in 2022 where Red Bull haven't won a race? Yes. Oh, yes. Well, it depends if you count sprint races. but No. 
<laughs> no, it's, it's an entirely different format. Um, but we have had two drivers who've taken their first F1 win in a sprint, George Russell and Oscar Piastri. Mm. Um, unfortunately, this Oscar Piastri gave this podcast definitely its best ever moment, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> when we had that live reveal, I say live reveal, like we were live streaming it, and we just had our live reactions to Oscar Piastri's infamous Alpina having me on tweet. Um, that's a that's a, a, a very big paraphrase. Um, yeah, we will only find out when Oscar Piastri speaks. Uh, or Keep checking to see Brown, if he has now. <laughs> or is that Brown gets there first and says, like, we've got him, and then we'll be doing another podcast this time Ooh, tomorrow. Wait, probably. wait, 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 that, wait, wait, wait. Oh, my word. I mean, that well, Freddie <laughs> finds it. Oh, boy. I understand that without my agreement. Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I'm driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I've not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. Are you um, serious? Blue tick. Blue tick. Wow. Oh, that's a text. You can't read that. Well, we just did. <laughs> I just left. It has literally <laughs> it's blown his mind. Oh, my goodness me. Oh, my Lord. Look at that, guys. Live podcast. <laughs> what is this sport? What's going on, man? What's going I on? Love it. Well, I mean, God, that was fun. I mean, he, August, he August 2022. Yeah. yeah. If I remember, if I remember, then I will drop that in editing. I should remember, really. I don't. I've not got too much. If not, I'll keep on my headspace, but. If hopefully people will have seen that there, but I think I mean Oscar Piastri must be. It, it's funny because when became the first retirement of the F1 season about eight or ten or thirteen laps into Bahrain, and it just kind of looked like oh we've we've already got our new um, Fernando Alonso, and then it's like he must be feeling so good about the must be feeling about <laughs> yeah. like so good about that decision now. Um, yeah, just, just like seeing how it was from. Yeah, up until I guess Austria, and then just how it completely switched from there. Like it, yeah. Well, again, Alpine in turmoil, and McLaren really looking up from here. Well, like, like I was saying earlier, like you can really justify uh, Verstappen's like uh, praise by looking at Perez's failings. You can really look at um, how good Piastri has been by looking at how bad Ricardo was last year, and. In my opinion, yeah, you can sort of say how much of that is McLaren understanding drivability of their car, but a lot of that is also just Piastri coming in and being able to perform, and it sort of makes you think, okay, yeah, we can always have a go at the drivability of the car, but Ricardo's the odd one out here, um, as opposed to, you know, Norris and Sainz have performed in that car, so if we're being historic, and Piastri's come in and has been able to perform as well, uh, albeit with obvious rookie tendencies such as tire life and things like that which is to be expected and also was a was a feature of his formula three season which held him back but when he clicked with it in formula two he dominated so god forbid lando norris and oscar piaschi really twigs these tires but i think lando norris has also really twigged them so that kind of doesn't help but um i think you can really look at that and sort of think hang on a second there's this guy who has been able to for the most part, play second fiddle, um, but also really shine as himself with a Qatar sprint win, with um, that also sprint shootout pole um, and a podium in Japan and things like that. So it's pretty 
second second on the grid in Suzuka. Madness. So it's a pretty impressive season in my opinion. I yeah, wouldn't say people would oh since Lewis Hamilton and that alright, fine, but Lewis's was better. But <laughs> let's not go. Well no, I think this is the thing. And I also the grid this year and for twenty twenty four, which is the same. Uh the the, the grid oh, is very, very strong. To freeze the erasure. The end of season grid. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> but yeah, uh the the grid is arguably the strongest it's been ever. But, but Piastri and well, uh, Piastri and McLaren have got a lineup, I think, that have shown they can challenge for a world title if they have the car. Because you got Mercedes's lineup, you got Ferrari and Red Bull led by Verstappen. And I think McLaren is probably right up there or, or very, very close, which is very important if you want to win the world title. So I think they've kind of got that nailed in. And if they do build, if they do have the right car, then they've got Norris and Piastri, which can be a lineup for some seasons the to come. I think that's very, yeah. very important. I agree mm. with you. No, absolutely. The podcast and McLaren started doing well. <laughs> yeah. no, Maybe I mean, we the, were the, the cause. It's been unbelievable. It was bad penny. Mm. Yeah. Well, we it, it was such a frustrating one because I like I really remember umming and ahhing it when we were doing our like post testing constructors predictions, and it like it felt like there was so much potential to be made look stupid either way because we all predicted them in in seventh in the end. It was one of the few teams we agreed on, and it 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 was one of those where they had like such potential if they could get it together to be a lot higher up the grid than seventh and that's how things ended up but also as the testing there was really aside from the drivers being very talented there wasn't there was like nothing really to hang your hat on or to to draw on and go yeah that is an actual you know reason to believe that they will do well but where were they in the constructors race sort of seven if we go to say the sort of canadian grand prix around then where were they in the constructors championship would they have been about seventh because i Possibly. And, and also, yeah, they, they, they yeah, got they rid of James Key, didn't they? Uh, after the second race, I think it was the second or third race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after, they've after got this whole. Reason, really, after a few. Yeah, and then they've got, they've got this whole new technical structure. But that hasn't. They'll, that technical group would mostly be working for the 2024, 2025 cars, really. So, James Key, even though he left probably rightly so did have did have an influence on uh the upgrades that kind of came from i think it was baku onwards wasn't it the first one and then austria and then austria was the big one one. yeah maybe it took a more inventive approach to extract that you never know possibly it could could have been the sort of triad structure that was put in by andrea seller that works and it's obviously a really hard thing to study but Mm. um, particularly in time but I'd say a sort of structure to come in and sort of uh, evaluate how to readdress things um, from March to July. You kind of start to expect to see uh, a return. Um, mm. If the return was that, then hats off to them because yeah. obviously the return was fantastic in the second half of the season for McLaren. Or the second two thirds of the season for McLaren was was genuinely exceptional. Mm, Norris would have been second in the constructors, I believe, or his second, like right. from Austria onwards, was uh, sorry for in the driver's <laughs> standing. Um, I think McLaren and Aston would have been second if you could if you cut off Aston season from about Canada and pick up McLaren season from there, they would have been second in the constructors, I believe. I could be that's that could big. be wrong. I could be yeah. could be spouting, but I think that's correct. It's a big sort of what if scenario. It's a change of team. What, what if two teams change? <laughs> 
<laughs> they sold their racing license. <laughs> Hypothetical F1 has got has taken a new turn. Did we prefer doing race reviews or race previews when we did them a lot, especially during when we did episodes? Um, yeah, depends really, because some races just float fantastically and really just genuinely nice episodes. I seem to remember, I think Monaco 21 was a really just nice episode um, that just flowed really well. But some of our previous stuff was just mad. And yeah. I mean, I know it was pretty self-indulgent when we were quizzing each other, but it was quite fun. Um, I, I did really like the quizzes. I, I, I did really, really enjoy those. And not just because I was the reigning still champion of them, but uh, yeah, just dropped that. I would say some of them, though, but like... Some of the quizzes would just be like two questions. Nigel just goes to do like, like alternate. It's just like, oh, you've you've done it. It's like, yeah. What? I think that was us hijacking a random postseason episode of of oh, let's fill up ten minutes with. Um, yeah, I don't. I think that I I liked the debates that would come out of the post race ones. Um, when when there was like a really good like back and forth yeah then that then that was like really good but i also i think i really liked the tangents on the pre-race ones and it 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 never it never felt like even if it was a slow news week it never felt like there was nothing to talk about you know it it just felt so easy to fill up half an hour nothing to talk about but then we'd fill it up wouldn't we somehow yeah (laughs) that whether it be just like a nigel wants to talk about Haas. Has, 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 has. I hate has. And then we'd move on. Or Nigel wants to talk about Alex Albon. Albon, Albon, Albon. Really bad. The worst thing's ever happened to F1. I've got aneurysms because of Alex Albon. If he ever gets a seat again, I'd be angry. And if he does a race, if he does a race season where he's probably one of the best drivers for that season, arguably knocking on the door of the top five and should be knocking on the door of, of leading teams, I will be so angry, but in a fake Northern accent. Um, then, you know. Mm. But it's, it's really it's it's quite lucky for the internet that we weren't filming as Albon got announced um, with his seat as we were with Piastri. That would have been it would have Kim Kardashian the internet, you but not in a good way. That, you could hear like the, the glass that Nigel broke so forcefully, <laughs> echoing around the Peak District National Park. <laughs> anyway, so we speak about Albon actually this year because he has been one of the most impressive drivers for for Williams. Uh, no, he has. Uh, yeah, absolutely dominated against you Ro- saying Sergeant. And yeah, Williams have probably had the best season since oh, 20, when? 17. 16, 17, yeah, 17, 17. Yeah, so yeah, massive hats off to them and a great job from Albon. And I, I do think with with a season like this, if depending on depending on how the silly season goes over the next twelve to eighteen months. He could find himself back in the top team, I can see. Uh, that's what's your route for that, that, your route for that Nigel? Because the city season currently, um, I feel like um, Carlos Sainz holds all the cards a bit. Because... Oh, I was going to say, I think Ferrari. Yeah. You think he yeah. could end up at Ferrari? Potentially, yeah. That's just a random guess. But yeah, That's a big old domino shift. I can mm. see it um, kind of just doing a sideways move, though, because the only... I. It's all Aston? Really... Yeah, 
It all depends, really. There's so much that it depends on. I can't see Fernando Alonso leaving. He needs to be sacked if he's ever going to leave. And he's not going to be sacked because he's performing. So, and the stroll situation is the stroll situation. I think Aston's a closed shop for most people, but it's the one they'll Mm. want to get into. If Red Bull front the money for Lando Norris, to be honest, if they just throw it at it, um, would you, if you're McLaren, would you then go for someone like Carlos Sainz or would you go for Alex Albon? I think you I'd, should I'd, go, but I think Albon's not a bad one to go for. I'd, I don't think Red Bull will. I think like the way the the fact that they never took showed any interest in taking Gasly back. Um, you know, considering how well he was performing, like again, he was a no, um, yeah, fringe... Red Bull. Norris yeah, to Red Bull. Bull. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Norris to Red Bull. Bull. Okay. So yeah. Albon will take Norris. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. My yeah. point was Red Bull take Norris yeah. out. Uh, Spare seat in McLaren. Who does McLaren go for? If I were McLaren, I'd want Science. But if they can't get Science, would they go for Albon? But I yeah. agree with. You. I don't think Albon would go to Red Bull. I agree yeah. with that. Um, if he was offered I've, anyway. I've, I've just beaten you on a point that you didn't have. Um, no, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well done. <laughs> um, no, I think. Yeah, I can. I think I think the science domino, yeah, like you say, he's the one to fall, but I just don't see him leaving Ferrari. Like I think ultimately whatever whatever um differences they have will be ironed out by Ferrari and Science's competitiveness. So I yeah, I think this one knows where like the seat and you know, unless there's something like Hamilton retiring out the blue, then it the kind of the seats do lock up quite quickly. So I do uh, I think because I, I think it's going to be another good silly season. We've had the the kind of dull, you know down year lull year of F one driver market news, um, and then I think you know the kind of two cycle will fire up again. But I I hope he does get a move back up the grid. But I'm not really. I just don't. I just think the places will get filled up. Williams, he's moved back up the grid with Williams already. Mm. He's moved from not on the grid to back of the grid. So seventh on the grid, constructors wise. There's every you know, there's no harm sticking around there for a bit. They want they will happily keep him at the moment. Vowles has been speaking about him with with essentially love, and he's got no reason not to based on this season he's had. There's sometimes there's a point, you know, you could make a point for Album to stay at Williams as a as as an absolutely dominant lead. Uh but we you know, he is also the most attractive prospect arguably at the, the back end of the driver market in the bottom four teams he's the most exciting driver sorry Daniel Ricciardo fans but in my opinion Albert is the most exciting driver in that pack I'm Valtteri Bottas fans yeah no I, I, I've actually I'm gonna I'm gonna um renege no. on that I can't I, I do I'm, I'm gonna buy into the uh Perez out at Red Bull Norris to Red Bull Albert into McLaren um I, I mean yeah I, I think I think the issue, I mean, we touched on Perez before. I think as much I think I still think he definitely deserves a seat in F1. I think he's probably, you know, bit better than a lot, particularly, you know, at that like lower third of the grid. I think he would absolutely do a brilliant job there, if not in, you know, an Alpine or for even Aston. But I think he's just got to that stage in the Red Bull uh, Verstappen teammate cycle where it's 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 just like the the unrelenting dominance of Verstappen has eaten away at him too much, and the, the ref stopped the boxing match at this point. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. it's not you know it's, like I say it, it, but... no, but it is you know it's he's 
it's just so kind of mentally taxing Verstappen's for yeah. into or intra inside team dominance that I think he it has just got to that stage now where someone else needs to go in and you know with kind of renewed optimism and vigor and energy and try and make it you know because Perez did a fantastic job there for you know two and a half seasons at least but it's yeah, yeah. Verstappen just like... does that he just grinds people down. Yeah, no, it's a very interesting one, the Red Bull seat. I mean, Perez will have to improve massively in 2024 to keep it. But then, yeah, it's, did it go with Norris? Does it, you know, how well will Daniel Ricciardo do? Should Liam Lawson have had the chance for 2024 then? Because he was super impressive, super impressive this year. Unlike De Vries. Yeah, unlike De Vries. Just did badly. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a, Interesting one. Yeah, it's it's impossible to say right now because because if you're Norris, do you want to go to Red Bull as well, or would you rather be the kind of leader at McLaren kind of thing? I think that all depends on the McLaren season in 2024. Mm. McLaren Norris holds cards now based on McLaren's form. Norris is, as in to Red Bull, Norris has held cards over McLaren for a long time because he's been outstanding. His 2021 season was brilliant. Um, and now McLaren hold cards with him. And Red Bull obviously do have has a draw, but they also have a negative in a way that McLaren can very easily say, well, you're top dog here. So that kind of uh, priority that you'll get at Mc- that he would get at McLaren, I think, is valuable. And I think I do th- I do think the only place you would win a championship in 2025 is probably Red Bull. But the only place Max Verstappen will win a championship in 2025 is to Red Bull. And it's that kind of thing. If 2026 is, is, is if McLaren are just steady, then 2026 is, is all right. An all right bet, I think. Yeah. yeah I think it, 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 it comes, yeah. I mean, it just comes down. I actually don't think it comes down to McLaren so much as it comes down to whether he thinks he can win a championship at Red Bull, like whether he thinks he can go into Max Verstappen's team and win there. Because I think if, if if he does, then McLaren, you know, I just don't think they can, can compete on any other level, really, um, looking at the past 15 years. So, um, we all think yeah, we all said in 2018 that Ricardo was running from a fight with Verstappen at Red Bull, but arguably mm. he was right to run. Um, yes, it ruined his F1 career, but it would have been <laughs> at Red Bull anyway, you could say. So, who knows? Maybe it's just a poison chalice at the moment, and you've just got to wait. He's got to wait and be, and you know, you've got to do what Max says and you've got to appreciate it while it's happening. You've got to love it because you're otherwise you're not a real fan. Mm, I, I do. Are I you think like you're not a real fan. <laughs> I think, I think it'd be interesting to see whether Red Bull would change their approach at all in terms of, you know, it, it's previously been, and I've said this on a podcast recently that like it's not. It's it's not that they're like they only want Verstappen to win, so they design the car for him. But they Verstappen performs very well in the car. He needs changes to perform better, and he's the one that gets priority. So whether they would change that philosophy at all um, for Reb, I mean, like hopefully, personally, I'd love for it to happen because I think that'd be brilliant to see. Um, you know, just two drivers, especially in twenty twenty five, two absolute A tier drivers in the same team, which we've not seen at a front running you know really championship contending team since 2016 probably so um yeah but i mean for, for perez as well if he does get ousted by red bull where 
do you think he would automatically find himself back on the the grid the following season, or do you think it would be an Albon uh, situation? Yeah, it depends on depends on other stuff, but yeah, I think you can arguably see it in the tea leaves that he could end up at Haas with Hulkenberg. We need that partnership mm. between them. Well, um, Alfa Romeo by that stage it will be. No, it won't be. He's, um, <laughs> bad sponsorship. F one shouldn't let that happen. If it does, that would be messing around with sponsors too much. Um, like I can see Perez bringing a lot of money to Haas, sort of Claro Haas money gram F1 team sponsored by Perez, um, that kind of thing. Uh, and I can see him using, in a way that when he was ousted from McLaren, he used that to get into Force India and they lost subtle stroke Duresta. Uh, and they ended up with a Hulkenberg Perez lineup at Force India in 2014. Um, when that was when, that was when Perez's stock was at its lowest in his Formula One career. I can see him doing something like that happening and him spending two years at the house meddling around. Um, and then, I don't know, Mexico get a wet ground. Yeah, I think he'll be per- I think he'll be down to personal reasons off the track because I think he could just retire, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, he's what well, I can't remember how old he's a young family, is it? And it's a hard thing, yeah, to with Mexico a lot for a young family, exactly. And he's what 35, I want to say. No, he's 33. Yeah, he's a bit younger. Okay, so that's so, really <clears throat> basically, we're talking about when he would be 35 going mm. on. So yeah. I would be, um, apps, I mean, I'd be absolutely fine with him trying to stick around. I'd be absolutely fine with him if he wanted to take the time and, yeah. and you know, reinvent his life a bit. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he's got five F1 wins now, doesn't he? So, so yeah. Six F1 wins. He's got six F1 wins. He's got five for Red Bull and one for Force Racing Point India team. Yes. <laughs> Aston Martin. He got one for Aston Martin. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Aston Martin, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and on the, just on Norris, is he in the yes. top five drivers this year? Is he on your list in the top yeah. five? Yeah. yeah. Whereabouts? In the top five. Ooh. <laughs> Um, what position in the top? Do you want five? to do a quick run through of a top five? Let's just have to do a quick top five. Explanation. Quick... Actually, oh, okay, okay. Nigel, you, gonna... go first. you can quick fire your top five. No, no, Nigel, give us a give us a random question while we and Freddie work it out. Nah, uh, oh, I was just going to do it. My phone's gone off. Yeah. <laughs> one of the questions is like, where is Adele from? Do you know? <laughs> oh, uh, Charlton. Is Charlton a place or a, a, just a football say, club? I said Brixton. Uh, it's not the answer I've got on my phone. <laughs> it's not the answer on the card. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, well, who it was closest then? What did Adam say? Charlton. Well, yeah. it's, it's Tottenham, so I don't know what which one's closer. Tottenham. And then Brixton's closer. Is but... Brixton closer? Well, there you go. Yeah, you, sure. You I'll say, yeah, London. Brixton's closer. <laughs> I, I don't know. I should know now. I've been in London the, the, for of the one top, half years. The top questions, if it's 200, the third best question was, where was Adele born? <laughs> no, I just picked a random one. <laughs> anyway, Nigel, your top five drivers. <laughs> and why uh, is it Adele? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Verstappen's clear number one. Yeah, And I then agree. after that, I, it's actually clear. really difficult. Two to five is arguably the hardest part. <laughs> No, it is. I remember we did it last year. We did like a full episode on it, and I found it a lot easier than this year. 
I've think... got a kind of sort of structure for it where for me two, oh. three, four is done on who did the worst mistake, in my opinion, but they all drove at a high enough level. Right. Here we go. The Stappen one. Alonso Hamilton Leclerc. No. Alonso Hamilton Norris Leclerc. Okay. Mine is the Stappen top, believe it or not. Alonso uh Leclerc Hamilton Norris. Yeah. Oh no, Leclerc Norris Hamilton. Hamilton's fifth. Leclerc third. Uh, yeah, I thought his drive, some of his drives were pretty just exceptional. And I thought, um, yeah. I think, to be honest, you can blame the car a little bit more for things like Zanvoort and stuff like that. But I thought Vegas was exceptional, things like that. Um, I think I'm just marking Hamilton down for Qatar turn one. Um, yeah. And I'm marking Norris down for a couple of messy qualifyings. But I think yeah. we extracted quite a lot across the season. Alonso's obviously second for Alonso reasons. You've swayed me to your order, actually. But I'll stick with mine, but you've swayed me to yours, Adam. <laughs> what a weird um, thing to say. I believe in yours, but I'm going to stick with mine. You're like a politician, Nigel. Don't say Wait, that. You can't say that because you're not allowed to because you're allowed to take a political point because you're... <laughs> Ready. <laughs> Adam. Do you want me to rescue you? Um, I... Uh, I, Sorry, were, I would say Carlos Sainz. I actually am going to say his fifth because I want I want him to have some representation on this. I think his Monza drive was just so incredible and like just so like gutsy and so fighting and so just like really it kind of obviously obviously like for being you know in, in terms of like his. I guess ideal race in in terms of maximizing, I guess, or minimizing race time or something like that. Then it would, you know, just letting the Red Bulls by when they came. But the fact that he fought Verstappen so hard, he fought Perez so hard, I just loved it so so much. Um, and obviously he won a race as well. Um, and he finished three times outside the top six. Um, so had a was very consistent in that. Terrible, mark him down as well. Um, three whole times. That, <clears throat> if if we we didn't. If we had done a Monza review, then it would have just been me talking about how fantastic the uh, science's drive was for about 15 minutes. But um, Nigel and I would have been speaking about how he was about to be overtaken by Leclerc for the majority of the end of that race. There we go. Freddie knows um, it. I thought his qualifying was phenomenal. But anyway, we've not been not doing a Monza review. Uh, no, but I, uh, yeah, it was just one of the performances of the season for me. In fourth place, then I, I'll go. Hamilton actually um, and then in third place I'll go Norris second place Alonso and first place Alex Albon no not really <laughs> Max Verstappen um, yeah, Leclerc's had a better season than Tide still he just he just has like Leclerc outside of that little run with Monza Zandvoort and Singapore Leclerc was probably the better driver in nearly every race in the season I'd say for me he's, it's he's very close between the two of them because yeah in 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 science's favour, he capitalised when the car was in a position to win. Um, but of course, Leclerc was then obviously in the position of being sacrificed at Singapore and was only just a bit off. Um, and also, when we look at Leclerc's best drive, where you could say Vegas, uh, where he was just relentless throughout the whole thing, uh, in qualifying, science would, would have been on the front row if he didn't have that um, contentious penalty. And yeah, true. Um, there's every chance science would have been as relentless up there as well. So, yeah. where we praise the other, there's obviously a reason to take away, but also 
to caveat that. So they both have really good seasons. Uh, I yeah. do fall into the camp of, I just think um, there are relentless points from Leclerc that were just better. Um, I'm pretty sure qualifying in sprint and race at Baku, he got pole for both of them. I think that's pretty yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, but then also Sainz's pole in Monza and in Singapore were brilliant. So, But then then you throw that with Leclerc's Cota pole and stuff. It's They've both had excellent seasons. And the point where we said Sainz holds the key in the driving market, nah, Sainz should be re-signed by Ferrari. Now we just sort of discussed all of that. But um, they're very it's close. It's a weird one, isn't it? That? Because do they... do Are they two drivers who are almost so evenly matched that if they go for a championship, kind of like how I think with, with Mercedes, taking points off each mm. other, is that the issue? Um, well, it could be an issue. There obviously was an issue, say, McLaren in 2007 that Raikkonen win that. Um, and it's it, it could be an issue, but they both race in such different ways that I think only rarely do you get flashpoints on track. I don't know how different that would be in a championship fight when there's a car in a position, but both of them can always push, but Science was definitely better when the car wasn't working so well this year. Um, but, and Leclerc has admitted that and it's been fairly obvious, but Leclerc has, well, we've had that with Leclerc in the past, like namely say France 2021, where the tyres just went and Leclerc went. So that's what happened in Zambor with Ferrari this year. But, but when the, when it's been on song, Leclerc has been comfortably better, in my opinion. So well, they have two different driving styles, don't they? I think this has been, Talks about yeah. quite openly for both drivers when one's doing well, the other isn't quite on it because of the different styles. So maybe that is a factor in Ferrari's thinking as well is that they don't I'm really want that. They want two well. drivers who are more kind of aligned with each other, perhaps. You've seen that with Mercedes, a point that I think they would be more likely to take points off each other just because of the feistiness of the two of them. Yeah. Um, um, and you look at points like Japan where they were dicing through spoon and things, but for the majority. So you could probably you could make a case that when Lewis has been ex- exceptional, so say when the weekend's gone really well for him, if we exclude the disqualification, Austin, uh, George was way off. And if you look at George's probably best weekend, Abu Dhabi, Lewis was had probably his worst of the year. So both of these teams seem to have drivers that can fluctuate against each other in quite to be honest, quite an interesting way. That if they were all four of them in a championship fight alongside Rebel, a Rebel driver. One rebel driver would be able to capitalize if it's been a similar way as it has been this year, but both I think Mercedes is a clever enough team to deal with that. Um, is Ferrari at this time? Well, I our Mercedes, our Mercedes still as well. I, I'm not sure about that. Just in their general operational yeah. um, shortcomings over the last two years, but I think I think with with Ferrari, I think with Ferrari then. I don't really back either driver to to beat Verstappen in an equal fight as a team leader. Like regardless, you know, e- even if they've got Zhou Guangyu as a teammate, but like I don't, I don't think that yeah. even if they are the undisputed team leader, either of them can beat them if it can beat him if the cars are the same. I just think Verstappen is that bit better than both of them. So it, you know, it, that, it's come back to that thing that we used to say about um, Ferrari driving drivers mad. And sort of not giving them that necessarily faith to do it, or do you think it's? Um, um, I I just at the top of the pod how on song Verstappen is with Red Bull. Yeah, I just, I just think well, yeah, I just think kind of the Verstappen is 
just better like you know it's, it's I don't, there's not like too much there's not too much nuance to it but i just think like in in a in a straight fight you know he is you know one percent or two percent better and if you add that up over the course of 20 races then that is gonna tell so yeah that's that's kind of all it is so it, for me it doesn't you know the the situation where it could fall out is if red bull do have a bit of a slower car than ferrari but you know they take points off them within the team but yeah i think for Ferrari, like to have two strong drives up there is really good. And I think, like, what, what we were saying about um, how it's diff more difficult to rank the, um, you know, like rank a top five this year. I do think this year we've seen a lot more cases where kind of teams are more competitive. Like, for uh, I think 2020, 21, especially, um, and, and kind of 22 as well, as we've been doing this podcast, then a lot of the time it's been as like been a clear team leader and a clear second place driver. So doing a top 10 has often been quite easy because it's picking by and large picking one, you know, the best driver from each team and they make up the top 10. Whereas I think this year there's been a lot more competitiveness, especially at the top. But yeah, I think that has, that has been something that's shifted this year. Mm, I don't agree with that. Okay. Because Mercedes, I think it's clear who's number one. I think Aston Martin's clear who's number one. Yeah. I think Red Bull's clear who's number one. And I think yeah. McLaren is clear who's number one. Yeah. So... But I think like P Piastri, um, Science, maybe not Russell, but I think you know no, you can Russell make you, can. you 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 could make arguments that they were in the top ten this year, which I think you know in some years I, previous I like more... like with 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 mclaren when it was norris and ricardo you couldn't make the argument that ricardo was in the top 10 for example when in 2021 i think you can make the argument that perez was in the top 10 um and that's I, not been the case this year i think it's more does not been two one or two drivers who've kind of been outstanding outside of verstappen i think the, the drivers we all mentioned in our top five they've all had uh yeah they've just not Shined as much you could argue Alonso, but then how much has Alonso been pushed by Stroll and that kind of mm. thing? That's why actually I actually say maybe sure. Hamilton is the one you could argue most with the gap. But to then Russell, I think but... Hamilton's like Freddie really said, Qatar and a couple of couple of other mistakes here and there. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I think that's why it's tough, and, and mm. that's why we saw in the constructors championship it went all the way down to the wire between Mercedes and, and Ferrari because uh, the battle behind Red Bull has been so jumbled up. I think that's more. The reason why, and some of the races where Alonso's had faults, and um, like the start of Vegas, for instance, that was just so un Alonso, <laughs> and it was it was a bad situation, frankly. And there was another one where he just sort of capitulated and just went nowhere. I can't even remember what it was. Um, I'm afraid, but there was a race where Alonso just suddenly just did really badly. Singapore, Spain. Alonso, Singapore, Alonso just suddenly, um stopped being able to drive that well and was like clattering around a bit and then that was his first retirement but I can't remember it was his first non-points finish um but he has been really good hasn't he I yeah, mean that Brazil that Brazil performance was, that, it was oh, arguably the performance of the season behind Verstappen it was exceptional to get back past Perez and then hold him off the top mm. three in the Brazil race were by far and away the top three drivers of that weekend Verstappen, who was effortlessly out in front, but not effortlessly because Norris had been pushing him in a way that, um, you know, forced Rebel to push and forced and McLaren were pushing just naturally. And the way that Norris was able to be up there was was brilliant. And then, yeah, we can, I think we'll all be able to wax lyric about Alonso's drive. You've probably heard that one. Um, yeah. it, was, it was very, very well done, particularly at the end there. And 
the phrase vintage Alonso comes to mind. <laughs> I mean, you said he was just up there with his 2012 season, which he ranks as his yeah. best. So he ranks I, it high as his two championship years. I'm not ranking it as high as the 2012 season. Yeah, no, sir. It's not as hard as that. That was quite, he, quite something. He 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 was also dating Taylor Swift this season for about five minutes as well. So I think that has to that has to feature in something. I love that. That was really <clears> fun. <throat> and now Taylor Swift's current boyfriend owns a bit of Alpine. So what what fun? I just want to talk a little bit about Mercedes because obviously you know they are Spiel. arguably one of the most popular teams, and going into twenty twenty four or even. Just the future in general, huh? One of the ten most popular teams. Yes, they are. <laughs> or eleven, except it's not an eleventh yet. Ooh. It should be an eleventh. He's the one who said the controversial thing. <laughs> in my opinion, this should Simon be an eleventh. He's coming to get you. <laughs> uh, what am I saying? Mercedes. Yes. Do we think? What? What do we think? I mean, they got rid. They finally got rid of the no side pods concept before Monaco. It did improve the car a bit. But then, of Mike the last few races, the last few races, they, they, I don't know, it's almost put a downer on things. That's how I've kind of felt about it. And then going into next year, that hope that they kind of had after USA and Mexico has kind of diminished a bit. That's how I kind of see it. Well, I think it was also Russell seemed to get along a lot better with that car in the very final few races than Hamilton did. Obviously, the new floor came on in. For the America's leg, and it looked like, oh, this is, you know, like Hamilton's there with the car. He's really dialed into it. Russell isn't, and then Qatar and uh, no, sorry, um, Vegas and Abu Dhabi. Then Russell was the clear, um, you know, more comfortable driver in the car. So I do, I think the 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 big problem with Mercedes over since you know the development for twenty twenty two has been their kind of simulation and modeling just hasn't been able to efficiently um, help them guide them to producing a good car and based off what we saw at the end of the season i've got real real concerns that that problem is still there um to enough of an extent that it is gonna you know it's gonna hinder them for 2024 obviously it's very small sample size but it's enough cause for concern at the very least yeah i I agree with what both of you have said i i think embarking on the challenge that they did of such a complex change to the car um after preseason testing being a commitment to the previous zero pod concept and so on, um, means that there was always going to be those kind of issues with the car this year. Um, and the extraction is arguably more impressive because of that, and not because of not you could say not unimpressive that that times they were caught out, but that they were operating at such a level, you could say that they were operating ahead of where they should be. So there's ways of looking at it because, of course, as we've already mentioned, peaks were there for each driver and it was rare for both of them to be up there. More consistently, Hamilton was up there than Russell across the season. But, um, you know, you would you would be able to make the case for um, that car at its sort of median range not being where the top driver was and you, I mean, it'd be more surprising that the driver who was leading the front was where they were than where the driver who was further back was. So if I'm making sense, maybe the correlation and stuff like that has worked for the most part, but it's just that they were extracting a lot from it. We don't know. Uh, I think they've lost a lot of key That's an optimistic. Technical... 
they've lost a lot of key technical personnel over the last five years as well. I think I made this point probably in 2022, I think, uh, with Andy mm-hmm. Cowell. And then even this year, they've, uh, Mike Elliott has now left the team. James Allison's back. But then obviously he was away for a couple of years as well. And there's a couple of other people I've forgotten the names of. But, but yeah, they've lost some key personnel. And I, I think that has made a, a big impact on why they've not, well, why they've only won one race in the last two years. And it's difficult to see uh, yeah. how that changes for next year. I mean, the kind of thing on this, what do we think about Hamilton 8-4 title? Is it getting less and less likely? It's always getting less and less likely when he's not, can you know, then you well, know he's, he's not consistently fighting for wins. But it's less likely, likely than it. Sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> as likely as it was at the start of this year when you could see what was ahead and what had just been for Mercedes. But it's, I think Adam was going to say, it's less likely than it was a couple of years ago. I was going um, to say it's less likely than it was in that lap fifty-one of the twenty twenty-one Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, but. Um, I, I do. Um, it's 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 yeah. It's I don't know. I, I, if I as if a I, driver, I, he's still got it. I'd say that. Yeah, he's I, shown, I, he's, shown, that. he's got the speed. That. He's got the performance. It's just if the I, team. I'm if I had sure. to bet my house, I I don't have a house. But if I had a house <laughs> and I was to bet it, I would not bet it on him winning a world title. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Do Do you think it has been maybe a bit of a underrated season for Mercedes because I actually don't think I think because they weren't like ultimately they finished second in the constructors championship and they did um you know they had the third place driver as well like I I think it is maybe because they went there was a very small period I think where where they were the second fastest team it was it was you know it quite a thin margin there because it went quite swiftly from um, Aston Martin to McLaren and then finished out the season with Ferrari and Mercedes were often around that but I do like yeah. I, I do I think you know they did finish second ultimately and well, it's not I think it's been rated quite fe- quite well across the general discourse I think Rebel have always been rated highly for being pretty exceptional I think Aston Martin and McLaren have been rated highly for being for hitting such high peaks albeit at different points and have equally been rated poorly when they had poor parts I think Ferrari um, have done well under Fred Vasseur, and I think that's being respected. But obviously, there's still Ferrari issues, and I think our previous discussion on Mercedes just now essentially confirms that it has been an effective season, but there has also been slip-ups, and it's not been their best season, but second is a good reward. So I think that's a, it's a fair standard just marking. I don't think... I don't know, really. I, I, th- I think I'd argue there's more negativity. It feels like, from my interpretation of the discourse, it feels know. like there's more negativity about them than any of the top five team when they have. It's, it's, it's not on the They're the team that's had the fall from grace. Everyone else has had a rise. Mm. Um, so um, there's a fact that negativity, if you put it that way. I'd say if you look at the gap from Mercedes to Red Bull 12 months ago versus now, it's not changed. So I don't think it's underrated. If, if anything, they might have. Be drop further back, if anything, maybe. So I don't but, think it's changed. I, I don't think it's on the road. I think, look I think at Ferrari. Like yeah, they've, yeah. if we look at if we compare it to twelve You've months ago, Ferrari have had a bigger fall. Well, but they they've had a bigger fall. Okay, they, yeah, fine. Like, Let's compare them to Ferrari. If you compare them to McLaren and Aston Martin, McLaren and Aston Martin have done better and things like that. Then, with yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you compare Sergio Perez to Max Verstappen, who knows? Maybe the gap is bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'd say Mercedes are no more optimistic now going into next year than they were 12 months ago about this year. I, uh, I, think, we, I, think, I think, and I think this is what you were alluding to about five minutes ago, Adam. There's definitely more reason to be pessimistic about Mercedes 2024 than there was about from in this position last year about uh, 2023. I think I made sense there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I say so. I think it might be me who made that point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, in that, obviously, Mercedes went from 22 with a win at Interlagos, whereas they're coming from this seat. And so you could think, oh, maybe they've got their head around it. Oh, maybe Mercedes can fight now. And then having proved that they couldn't this year, it makes you think, oh, okay, I've got more doubts for 2024. Mm. There we go. I said it just in a normal way that time, and that mm. worked. I've got two questions, actually, uh, for this final segment. Uh, first one is, how much of the podcast do we actually listen to, or did? <laughs> did we actually listen to? Do we actually listen to? It's a very weird one. I don't just sit here now and still listen back. <laughs> I actually do. I just always start from episode one and go through and then go to the, and then finish and go to the start again. Like it's the US office or something. You just go back to the beginning. Go through the whole I'll thing. say, during the first year we did it in lockdown, I listened to quite a lot of them back after we did it. And then it's probably just got less and less, less over time, I think. But that's no, I, I, I listen to it a lot. I I was the opposite that it used to be that I couldn't stand like listening to it. Like I just found myself like so cringy. Oh, so and uh, so did everyone else. No. Uh, <laughs> but like as, yeah, as clearly thoughts. <laughs> um but yeah, as, as we went on actually, um like it did like genuinely really help my like confidence in my own like, on camera appearance and on mic appearance increased a lot so it did like um yeah i think it was one of the like one that won the pre-season episodes for 2022 um then yeah just listen to that and remember like putting a group a message in the facebook chat going actually our podcast is quite good um Definitely and on the job but we learned on the job pretty well i think mm. i think there are some really i think I did listen to episodes of it, and there were episodes I didn't listen to of it, and you know sometimes that just depended. If it slipped on in my while I was just listening to something, and it just came on afterwards, I probably would then end up listening to it. There are some episodes, as we already mentioned, that we were proud of, and I think I'm more likely historically to have listened to them, um, just because when it flows and we're all just on song doing brilliant analysis and bouncing off each other I and mean, I've, I've managed to convince Nigel to come around to my perspective, all that kind of stuff. The classic format of our podcast, which is Nigel says an opinion and I convince him the other one. Even all the other way around. No, I'm too stubborn. And, <laughs> no, you're not. Shut up. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, yeah, obviously there's going to be better episodes than others, but I think for the most part, there were some that were really good. I think there were some pre twenty twenty one season ones that really. I, th- I think that's what I was thinking of actually. I was. I think obviously to... our first twenty twenty one episode, we actually um, spoke a bit more about mental health. That will always stand out to me, and I, as just something that was brave from both of you, and I felt important from my side as well. And for all of us to be in a position where we wanted to share personal aspects and put it on a platform that's still there. Um, and have it as our pinned uh, episode for so long on the Twitter account as well um, was, you know, pretty, looking back, we should all be pretty pleased with ourselves for just doing that. But also it was a, it, 
it stood up as an episode and it stood up as an episode as an F1 podcast for the last 20 minutes and for the first 20 minutes it stood up as an episode of a general uh, mental health conversation mm. and that, that is that that is one that I've listened back to like several times since um, yeah just like kind of if I've not been feeling great then actually just put it on again like um, you know like through the years and just it kind of helps to hear both of you talking about it and hear myself talking about it but then, like, so openly does genuinely help. So I think that, like, yeah. is definitely a, a stand-up for me. It's me and, on a lighter note, then me, <laughs> when me and Freddie were drinking our students do one night and just put it on the TV in the flat and we watched about at least two episodes back of um, <laughs> of it while while drinking in, in a flat. So that was quite fun. I've just gone and checked our statistics, and we have actually had two listens in the last week. Wow. Whoever's listening Whoever to it is. Yeah. Play. Thank you. 14.7,000 all time download. Mm. I'll try to like, The numbers are like, I'm so genuinely proud of it. Um, I'm so proud of it as well. There. Oh, yeah. I agree. Sticking with the positivity, I was going to ask how many kids do you want, but I'm not going to ask that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask, what's the highlight of your career? <laughs> oh, well, all those kids. <laughs> 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 I like my career is hopefully still to come. Not to give a bastard answer, but it's that's, that's a fair answer to fair. I, I kind of like, you know, I for a year of the podcast, I had a, the um the job before the job I've got now, technically, um, because I've been promoted in that role already. Already, oh, not to sound like a prick, but yeah, after the a year there, I got promoted, and I was really pleased with that. So that was a pretty good career. Really, you sound like a prick. <laughs> Imagine not allowed to say that. So, um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I'd say that's a pretty big career highlight, and I still mm. get a bit of imposter syndrome with sort of the meetings and conversations I have, and I'm involved in at the moment on my job working in motorsport. But um, also being asked to go and work for WCF One when I did, uh, sort of at their, you know prime a fantastic period for for the growth of motorsport and the growth of websites and social pages such as wtf1 to be able to be a part of that was mm. was absolutely brilliant um so i'd say that kind of stuff there's loads of other highlights in different ways but from a motorsport career definitely those personal things um and as i already mentioned the way this podcast has worked is a kind of an extracurricular profession um has just been so fulfilling and fantastic, basically. 100%. 100%. Mm. My career. When I wrote this question, I would have given a very different answer. Uh... The kids, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, how many kids have you had? How many kids have I had? I've had yeah. zero. Oh, okay. Thanks for clearing that one up. Hopefully I have two. Hopefully. There you go. All right. <laughs> uh, how about my career? I don't know. Like steal them. <laughs> I think. I think. Yeah. think you... <laughs> Sorry, that's really me. <laughs> I'm going to ignore all that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nigel. This is correct. It'll be either yeah, Jordan Sky, who's been outstanding by the way in my first six months here, yeah, uh, or going to my first F1 race with Sky, which was Monza. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah. It's been no way. I've been an amazing six or seven months. Uh, yeah, it couldn't have realistically gone better. 
I'd say. That's the biggest compliment I think I, I think I can give it. Uh, yeah, it's it's been, it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, and yeah, hopefully when I, yeah, and hopefully when I look back at this, whenever that's still the case. <laughs> so if we still yeah. listen to episodes at that point, yes, mm. exactly. I don't. I don't if, well, if I haven't listened to this, stop listening and do something better. There you go. Well, we'll uh, revisit this in anyway. our season preview next year. So um, no, I think um, yeah, 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 I'd. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd echo that definitely like one that is right up there for me is reporting on the British Grand Prix this year because it's like I don't have many specific career goals in terms of like, as in, like reporting on a World Cup or an, an Olympics. It's never like been a like, you know, that is a real goal yeah. to aim for. But doing a, you know, being able to report on an F1 one race was and that, you know, it was always something that I've from and just going to an F1 race because it was like never kind of on the table really when I was growing up as an F1 fan and, and to like finally reach that point and, and be there like walking through through Silverstone was absolutely phenomenal. So I think that is absolutely there for me. I mean, you know, it's been um, kind of other, other pinch myself moments, but also just like when when I've been fortunate enough to be reporting on a sporting event that is just dramatic in whatever way, like whether so this year, um, the Sheffield Varsity Ice Hockey went to a penalty shootout and our university, the University of won for the first time ever. And that is just like, there's a moment that I would have loved like as a, as a sports fan, if I was in the crowd. So being, and there's other moments like that, that just, I felt kind of so lucky, not because of what the kind of title of the event was, but just because of what transpired, like being there, in those moments, I've just felt so lucky to be there. So, yeah, I think um, there's too many to too many to mention. Fill up a whole Zoom call just talking about that. But yeah, oh, that's fantastic though. If you can, brilliant. You guys are both doing really well and have done very well. So keep. Going. Oh, well, now we're all doing well. Well, this is the thing, because right? we went to a very very good uni. Like big credit to everyone who taught who taught us and we met there. But we are doing all very very well from there, which I think says a lot. So, so yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, and yeah, this is yeah. the final stages of the Winged <laughs> F1 podcast. Get your tissues to cry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, having got a, a quick gander, our best downloaded episode, so this is through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so on, is the Oscar Piastri is not going to Alpine episode. Um, mm. Arguably, it is one of our shorter episodes. <laughs> uh, shorter the better. Yeah, um, it's bite-sized, it's 20 minutes long, and we were going to wrap it up after 10 minutes, and then Oscar Piastri decided to add another 10. Um, how, how, many, how many listens did it get? That's on downloads, on 457. Yeah, okay. And remember so, we spent one pound on a YouTube video. Oh, yeah, and it got like 3,000. Matt Ineos going to merch. One YouTube merch. video is from 3.6 thousand from three years. <laughs> <laughs> Should have spent Pretty one nice. pound on every episode, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should have a pound from that one. Um, but then after that, I, there's Checo for champion, Azerbaijan Grand Prix reaction. And that's... Oh, this know, year? This year. So that's pretty good. To have been getting... And, you know, on the same row as that, you've got you've got a, a, the Belgian Grand Prix from 2022, and then you've got the Italian Grand Prix from 2020. So you've got... Oh, dear, Freddie, you, know, you wasn't in that Belgian one. Why not? Ah, oh, damn it. Well, that, that's <laughs> <my answer. Wow. laughs> 
There, there was one like quite early on then there was Nigel just put in a chat in, in the chat like oh just been going through our, our figures or whatever and, and he was like picking out all of the best ones that year and they were all ones that Freddie had hosted I think it was in our first year and he was just like like view spike on this one view spike on this one view spike on this one Freddie hosted all of them oh, I don't remember that oh wow God. well hmm. they, like, they did ask me to present a, a new version of the generation game but I turned it down so Nigel's pop culture education is ending here today. He's going out into the world with a vague, a vague, vague knowledge of Anchorman and the Generation K. I only know about sports. Yeah, when you didn't know anything ever, that was fun. Which time? And then we search for Anchorman because you say whatever it is. And as I'm like, ha ha, what a funny comparison. And you're just like, yeah, what? Like, which Anchorman? <laughs> no, that was a good which episode. That, the, that was. The first year of birthday when we got together. Because that was the first. That's, oh. It's the only one we've done, isn't it? When we've actually been all together in person. It's the only one. Mm. Yeah, it was one. Great. Big at Marlboro Road. I whacked my head on your roof, not your roof, on the ceiling. <laughs> I must have <laughs> been on my roof for you to do that. Roof. <laughs> <laughs> What do we say now? Um, we've sort of done best moments and all that kind of jumbo. Yeah. Um, worst moments, Nigel. What's your worst moment? Worst. Oh. Let's end on a low. <laughs> worst moment on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Not worst moment ever. <laughs> uh, I don't know about worst. this one. Worst um, moment on the podcast. I don't know. I have walked out. I have walked out a couple times in the middle of it. Is that the worst? Have you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have noticed. I did it once. I did it this once is now the... his worst moment. He's finding out. No, 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 this... right, I was saying this isn't the worst moment, but I'm just saying this is a separate thing. Uh, it was once in the second part of the 2020 review when it, we were going on for ages. We had Ellie and Ed on. It wasn't because of oh, that. We had obviously. like a five-hour recording session. Yeah, we were recording for ages. I just went off for lunch. And then I came back and you're still going. Yeah, so I wasn't there for like 10, 15 minutes <laughs> in the second bar. And then the second time was... Yeah, that, was when you... good, that was a good episode. Anyway. Yeah. And then the second time was, I think, when you both were named world champions. And then I turned the camera off and it was just a big orange M. <laughs> and then that was like the final five, ten minutes. That would have been 2021. Yeah, Nigel, do that. Let's go around and name all the champions. <laughs> no, we're not doing that again. Anyway, I, think I, was, uh, I think I started like, getting sausage balls out of the or something. Uh, but yeah, that does have the worst moments. Those are just moments I've just randomly thought of just now. I mean, a bad moment for me was when my friend fell down the stairs outside the podcast, but because we were recording a podcast, I didn't go and help her. I stayed recording the podcast. When did that happen? <laughs> that happened in um, 2021. <laughs> oh, wow. That's me. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. I don't Bless think I, you definitely not told me that. <laughs> I can't remember which one it is, but it, I mean, there'll be a bit in a back catalog of me just going, just sort of looking behind her, oh, and then just carrying on. Uh, Having heard this crash, I pretend I've heard it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, actually, the worst moment is my Wi Fi went off once after like five minutes into an episode and I couldn't do the rest of the episode. It was last mm. year. Oh, that was our best summer. one. Yeah, I was gonna say that. <laughs> it was Sorry, in last year. Easy target. In fact, anytime my Wi-Fi dipped, that yeah, 
yeah, there was there was there was a solid a solid streak of time where it was like Nigel might be here for because it was in the middle of your like hundred episode run where it was like Nigel will be on the po- episode but he will miss about half an hour of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm trying. I've got. I've wrote how many our our most consecutive episodes on here somewhere. Oh, that's go. interesting. Do you want to guess what eat all three of us our longest consecutive? Apparently, we've all well, me, me, about 77. Well, me, me, and me, and Freddie's uh, like consecutive time streak will be from the Canadian Grand Prix preview, I think, whatever our oh, last episode. So, so, we, so, yeah, so me and Freddie are on five months, but I don't know what that is. An you episode, say that, you put, I, I think, Freddie, in your first. Year of doing it because I put in eighty six episodes, so that's got to be more than a year. I can't remember when that. That's it might two be years because like... we did forty episodes in the first year and pretty much. Yeah, it might be like the first year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Adam seventy five. I can't yeah. remember when that would have been. Middle twenty one. Just before we went to America, probably. That yeah. Twelve months before that. Fair yeah. enough time for you to have missed one. And yeah. then me, one hundred and twenty. <laughs> wow. Jesus. And I had very good reasons for missing the two or three episodes that I missed, but I can't get yeah. into that. <laughs> and then, and then, so, and then yeah. you celebrated afterwards as well with your hundredth. So it ends in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there we go. Uh, yes, a big thank you for listening. Not yeah. just now, except you are listening now. So thank you for listening now, but also if you've listened in the past, thank you. So mm. yeah, there's not much more to say. Find I mean, there's no point anymore. Who cares? Who cares? I also nice don't time. tweet anymore, ever. <laughs> that was always a um a part of the whole thing that I found laborious was trying to convince you that we needed to tell people how to to come back and listen again and to try and develop a bit of an audience. If they're You're listening like, no, now, they're listening in the future. We don't need them back. Why would we tell them where to get more information? They don't need it. They know where they are, and it had a reason. But it was also just, just kind of like, just what, well, what let's you want try it? and remind them to give us a bit of support so they just, <laughs> don't just go, all right, bye. Yeah, straightforward. Can I also mm. say thank you to our Paraguayan listener? We always had someone in Paraguay. What? Oh, right, okay. Well, yeah. And that always just surprised me because it did. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you to the, the random listener that I... Well, not I didn't know they, but they listened afterwards. That um, I went on a night out in Oglow and they found out that I was British and then just assumed I liked F one and then started listening to the podcast. So I don't know if they're listening to this, but I don't know their name or anything about them. Other than they went to the toilet after me, but um, you know, if, if you're around, then good luck. But uh, yeah, no, I think by doing getting getting up to a thousand, like average, uh, having a thousand listens for the month, and we had a period of that for about three weeks, um, probably last summer maybe yeah. um that well, was that, a really really good streak mm, no i we think it was then. we did take a break then actually didn't we we took a break yeah. on because it was you know it just was such a year and mm. then we came back with michael mazzy or kevin magnuson mm. i think it was after yeah. i think that it was fired by the piastri listens but actually it carried on like even after the piastri listens dropped out then we carried on having that spell for a while so that, i think that was a like real genuine highlight as well as the amount the of people of that listen yeah it that certainly was, was fun, actually that was very fun mm. um, I think we must but... go 
I mean, all of us at points had the cost cap regulations say the word documents on our computers and things like that. It was just like, goodness <laughs> me. Yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, it's kind of it, like mind blowing that people did want to listen, but it was always very, uh, yes. uh, yeah, like, I don't know what the right word is, but yeah, is. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank so you. I'm not going to be so um, pompous as to call people listening fans, but as, as supporters of us at least, and mm. people who recognise what we're doing and hopefully are enjoying it and thinking nice thoughts about it. Thank you so much. Uh, as you can tell, we've all loved it. We're all stringing this end out for as long as possible. <laughs> uh, and it's been one of the best things that, from my side, and I think I can say, yeah, yeah, mm. one of the best things, the that, career highlight, career highlight that we've just done on our own. We've just done it. But we're yeah. gonna podcast will always be the three of ours, and you know, I mean, starting it in lockdown in our first ever year of not even having known each other for a year to still be, um, to yeah, be no after <laughs> essentially four years having made it through, well made it through three and a half F1 seasons, three and a quarter F1 seasons, consistently only, you know, only missing the first race, the one where um, I, w- I wouldn't be able to watch it live and Adam was doing exams, I think is fair enough, um, actually. And I think I think we can all agree we were forced to end. We didn't choose to end. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's but as, as much as it, you know, ultimately we weren't able to continue, then the fact that we were able to continue for so long was, you know, such a and it was because we really enjoyed doing it. And it was like yeah. that was it was it was something that we wanted to to do and like get up and get on a call and do it and edit it and put it out there to the world and speak about the weird and wacky sport. So yeah, it's just absolutely positive memory from it and just yeah, loved it so much. And uh and yeah. And thank you thank very you much for listening. We don't have Lando well, Norris to do an outro. <laughs> no, thank you, Freddie. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. It's both of you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nigel, can you do an impression of any F1 drivers as an outro? Uh... <laughs> no, I can't. I can't, no. I could maybe do Australian. Hang on, let me think. No, it's, a, it's not a good idea. No. <laughs> no, that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> I'm trying to think how Piastri sounds. Uh. I haven't completed the George Russell one backwards. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, what if it sounds like the devil? Well, oh. then we'll then we'll have we'll have stirred forces <laughs> under control anyway. So, uh. mm. well, in lack of that, then thank you much for listening for one episode or nearly two hundred, and goodbye. Goodbye.